God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So the truckers have been beaten over the weekend. And uh, the Canadian Mounties are looking pretty bad right now, I would say. And so is Trudeau. Trudeau showing his true colors uh, and uh, practicing, you know, his form of dictatorship uh, meanwhile we have escalation in uh, Ukraine so we're going to be talking about that but uh, here is a statement uh, with regard to the Ottawa police and this uh, statement pretty much says it all independent media so I was in the crowd yesterday um, I was unfortunately uh, hit with some pepper spray I just have a question uh, there's some video cameras that the police are using and uh, some news outlets are reporting that you're gathering intelligence with those cameras. Can you elaborate, like, if the protesters at this point, uh, you know, uh, retreat and go home, uh, are they going to be getting sort of repercussions down the road? Or are you going to be sort of actively pursuing the people that you've been sort of documenting and filming who are still out there protesting? What are your plans after this, uh, after the protest is over? Thank you. It's a great question. And the simple answer is yes. If you are involved in this protest, we will actively look to identify you and follow up with financial sanctions and criminal charges. Absolutely. We, this investigation will go on for months to come. It has many, many different streams, both from a federal uh, financial level, from a provincial licensing level, from a criminal code level, from a municipal breach of court order, breach of court injunction level. It will be a complicated and time consuming um, investigation that will go on for a period of time. You have my commitment that that investigation will continue and we will hold people accountable for taking our streets over. And could I just ask Thank one you. more question? Can we ask a question? Can you, this concludes the uh, So now they just controlled the speech and where were the where was this guy with Black Lives Matter? Where, where was he then? 
with the Marxists. They were burning down the streets. These truckers were peaceful. Honking your horn is not a terrorist move. But freezing their accounts is exactly what these uh, dictators would do to their adversaries, their political dissidents, adversaries. But in addition to that, it's exactly what we did to terrorists in the Middle East and elsewhere. Freeze their assets, shut down their networks. And these truckers, from what I hear, the next stop might be D.C. But there's an eerie similarity to the January 6th event and this event. It's almost like they coordinated with each other and said, okay, lure them in. And there's been a lot of talk about luring these truckers into a zone to try to get them to seize the building. And I wouldn't have been surprised. I bet you there's audio tape or video of law enforcement trying to entice the truckers to enter the Capitol buildings and then hit them up for that. You know, to go all the way to Alaska to some old elderly lady's house and break into her house and seize her. The FBI did that over the J6. Now, I have friends that were actually on the show the morning of J6. And then they stayed over our house. And they were on the show talking about going to the event. And they went to the event. And they came down from Philadelphia. And they had no idea that January 6th was going to be anything but a rally. And a basic protest to say enough with the election rigging. We can't have a democracy if you rig elections. And there's, there's just no way that someone like Joe Biden could get 81 million votes. No way. And of course, we, we still believe that. That, that that's just, It doesn't change the fact that common sense still exists. Common sense exists for a reason. It's our God-given right to have a brain and to think out loud and have common sense. So you can't tell me that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. Yet, they hold a rally, they protest, they're complaining about what Pence is about to do on January 6th, and next thing you know, they do exactly what this Ottawa police officer is doing to the truckers. It's almost like it's a standard now. This Executive Act thing that Trudeau is executing this executive uh, act, I think is just so gratuitous and being used in a way that is just so, um, it's, it's exploitable. I mean, they did it with COVID, right? So COVID comes around and next thing you know, you got Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo all, and, uh, Governor Whitmer from Michigan, and just about every other governor uh, that was radically left that wanted to control people. 
And they wanted to control people, so they issued these executive orders, these executive acts, emergency, state of emergency acts. Now, they do that. uh, They have these rights, and they were originated because of floods and hurricanes and other things where the governor needs to act autonomously or uh, needs to be very, very quick and agile. You know, can't basically be mired down in red tape and needs to be more efficient. And so they execute these emergency acts so that they could get the aid to the communities without all the red tape associated with legislature. Now, in, in, in some part, that I guess that's good. Like in the wake of 9-11, for example, <clears throat> when we had the uh, Patriot Act, people were talking about George W. Bush wanted more access to cell phones and yet, you know, we're, there's so much red tape and you need to get these uh, war- warrants, uh, search warrants, you know, to get access to certain things. And by the time you get access to them, you you no longer have the fruit of the uh, of the transaction, and so they started with the Patriot Act, but there should have been mechanisms put in there that said never against an American citizen, but they didn't. They exploited it, and next thing you know, the Democrats, namely, it was Barack Obama, who went after James Rosen, which was at the time a Fox News reporter went after the Associated Press, even wiretapped Angela Merkel's phones, and just went after journalists. And the journalists, they still vote Democrat. They still love being repressed, oppressed. They still being like being zombies and pawns. So long as it makes them money, because they would sell their mother for a nickel these journalists and they get paid their bosses get paid Zucker from CNN got paid all these people got paid through ad dollars to carry water for this radical socialist globalist agenda but if you don't think for one second this is by design you know these emergency acts what Trudeau declared as a state of emergency the first time ever in Canadian history did he execute this against the and he executed against the truckers meanwhile he sits there and takes a knee and prays with these Black Lives Matter leaders who are basically buying million dollar homes left and right they're not accounting for the uh, finances that are coming in they're funneling the money to act blue who's funneling the money to Joe Biden, rigging elections like Hillary did over uh, Bernie Sanders, and like Joe Biden did over his adversaries. You can't tell me that after losing Iowa and, and, and also New Hampshire, you can't tell me, whoops, sorry about that, folks. We got a, uh, we got a, we actually are having some technical difficulties today. Um, what's new, right? But we're back in the studio, and um, apparently, uh, what 
we're dealing with is a you know a new setup. So we'll get there though. We'll get there. So here's Justin Trudeau talking about China and how great it is, how efficient, how envious he is that you know their dictatorial, their dictatorship is so efficient. Uh, could do so many good things being a dictatorship. You can get your agendas all done in terms of climate and other things. It's nice. It's wonderful. Let's take a listen to Justin Trudeau talk about the benefits of dictatorships. Even with Sun TV watching for any slip, he was asked which country he most admired and referred to China. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted uh, that I find quite interesting. Even with Sun T- See? That's exactly that. That's it. That's exactly what he's been trying to do, right there. So Justin Trudeau is all about control, power, and control. So he uses these states of emergency, but I think that these Democrats have taken taken it to the extreme to the point where they're abusing their privilege. What was once a good thing, the Patriot Act may have been a good thing for temporarily, but they used it against their own people. And it was the Democrats that took these, took these nuggets and exploited them as opportunities to repress their own people, the people that they're supposed to serve. And it's not their own people, although they would like to think of it like that. But that's the kind of thing we're dealing with. And we have to do better. And we have to stop it. We cannot let these dictators or these dictator wannabes, we can't let them use these emergency acts when there's not an emergency. The truckers was not an emergency. Yet the police officers have been given carte blanche to ruin their lives, destroy their livelihood freeze their accounts, things that never would be allowed in a democracy. Things that you would see in Russia and China and North Korea, but never in Canada or the United States. Yet you could see the way they're treating the truckers in the Ottawa. They're using the same narratives as they did with respect to Trump supporters in J6 and the hypocrisy and the disparity between the way they treated Trump supporters and the Marxist morons, we like to call Black Lives Matter, probably the dumbest group I've ever seen in my life. A bunch of Marxists and Antifa people who resort to violence every step of the way. And somehow these corporations, these woke corporations, support the wrong side because they feel like, you know, they have the buyers in America. Like Amazon 
probably if you were to take a customer profile and look at what Amazon is, it's probably middle class. The, the middle class that they are squashing, that China is squashing, that the narratives are squashing. It's that middle class that's going to continue to buy for their family because they need, they don't have a choice. They have to buy food for their family. So why not gouge them? We're seeing all kinds of reports, not just with supply chains and not just with oil, not just with the cost of uh, price of gas or petroleum that impacts the price of everything else, supply chains. Incidentally, the truckers could actually stop right now, stop today. They could just say, we're not going to ship anymore. And that might not be a bad tact. You know, they lost the battle. Maybe they lost the battle. I don't know. You know, the sad news is, is that for Trudeau, all he had to do was end the mandates. I mean, they're ending the mandates everywhere you turn. What I actually think might have been happening is just like all of these liberal cities in America are starting to look at the poll numbers and they're starting to reverse the vaccine passport mandates immediately, like New Mexico did and other states and other cities. You know, Washington, D.C. is reluctantly but doing it. I think it's like March 1st or something. You have to wait for a certain date for certain things to go in to affect. They trust the science on this one. Meanwhile, they take it away your rights frivolously. They take away your rights and then they give them back to you on a specific date. That's nothing but control. The Atlantic came out with an article. Mask mandates are illogical. So what? So what? They, they only need they only need to align with community goals. It says here, when the mayor of Washington, D.C. announced changes to the city's mask mandate last week, spit hit the fan. As of March 1st, district residents will need to cover up in order to attend school, go to the library, or ride in a taxi, but gyms, sport arenas, concert venues, and house of worship, you know all the places where people like to breathe hard or sing and shout in close proximity will be facial free for all. If the goal of mass policies is to reduce transmission of the coronavirus as much as possible, then D.C.'s new rules are difficult to reason out. Why should children who are generally at low risk of severe disease have to mask while sitting quietly in class when their more vulnerable elders can sing unmasked in church. It seems arbitrary, inconsistent, and absurd. You know, I had this conversation before I read this article uh, over at The Atlantic. I, I had this conversation with Leonora over the weekend. I was like, these mask mandates just don't make any sense. Of course they don't. We've been talking about it for two years. They don't work. That's already been proven. They have 2% efficacy. And we've been saying that all along. You know, I took a picture. It was two years. It was a long time ago, a while ago. I can't remember when it was, but I was in an airport where I'm sitting at a table 
with a little railing uh, between the hallway uh, where everybody's walking in the airport and where I'm sitting in this restaurant, which is right along the hallway. And I take a picture, and on one side of this railing, you have to wear a mask or you'll be thrown out of the airport, arrested and banned from flying ever again in federal, in in the FAA. Okay, that's one. Boom. And then here I am sitting in a restaurant and I don't have to wear a mask because I'm sitting. Now when I'm standing, I have to wear a mask. If I stand up, the mask goes on. If I sit down, the mask goes off. And if I look to the right and I put my arm on the railing, which I could do, uh, the mask has to, I don't know what the, I, I actually don't, I'm sitting in the restaurant, I'm a restaurant patron, but my arm is actually in the zone where I have to actually wear a mask. Hmm, I don't know what the rule was on that. Maybe I was in violation of the rule there. I don't know. It's ridiculous is my point. And I took a picture of that and I said, mask required, mask not required. And it's just the stupidest thing. So the Atlantic, this article was written in February 20th, 2022, right? And this article... uh, is finally getting around to talk about it because the Atlantic is somewhat of a radically, you know, radically left-wing um, news rag of sorts. So cases may be trending down in nearly every part of the United States, but this surge will all, almost certainly not be our last, just as Omicron will almost certainly not be the last variant to infect the world. We have to learn to live with it, folks, like we, we, we learn to live with everything else. The, the common cold, pneumonia, and so many other respiratory diseases, emphysema, and a lot of other things. So, the writer says, take my city, Baltimore, as an example. Everyone older than two must wear a mask indoors at any location other than a private home, including at food service establishments. Yet indoor dining, which is associated with increasing COVID-19 transmission rates, has been allowed for more than a year. And diners do not need to be vaccinated. Performers are allowed to sing, speak, and play the oboe sans mask, despite the fact that maskless music has been known to be a potent source of contagion Since the early days of the pandemic, I frequently walk past restaurants with masks required for entry, signs taped to the front door, and their windows fogged up from the breath of maskless patrons, and in spaces where masks are both required and feasible. So I was going to go to a wrestling event yesterday. I was thinking about it. Penn University wrestled uh, American University. And I remember wanting to see Penn State wrestle at American University, I think it was, or something like that, or in Maryland. And I realized I couldn't go because I'm not vaccinated and I didn't have a, uh, I didn't have a passport, right? I didn't have basically my social credit score card. I, I wasn't compliant with the government. And, uh, and you know, 
partly it was because of you know it was the first day I was coming out for spine from the you know being able to walk uh, and go to an event. Uh, today actually marks the first day that I'm actually doing a show without my back brace on, which is kind of cool. And uh, I'm just weaning off of using a back brace because the back brace actually gives you support, but you got to learn to walk without it. And so you got to get those muscles working. And so it's still a day-by-day thing. Now, if I would have gone to the uh, wrestling event yesterday, I, I would have probably wore my brace, but I wasn't vaccinated. And that was in D.C., American universities in D.C. And I said, okay, well, Marion Bowser, the mayor, changed the rules. Maybe we can go. Boom. Nope, can't go. Not until March 1st or something like that. It's crazy. So what this, argue, what, what this article argues and makes a point of is one common thought, they're not definitively proven argument against mask mandates is that they don't actually change people's behavior. People who would have would have masked anyway, cover up. And people who don't want to mask wear theirs badly or ignore the rules. Anyone who has been in any sort of public location at any do- time during the pandemic recognizes that mask mandates are not following are not followed consistently. But even Discarded mandates could affect people in other helpful ways. From my perspective, the main benefit is not so much the masking itself, but the message of to society. Now, this is the writer saying this. And what he's saying is, is that the mask alerts us. And the reason why I read this article to you is that, and, and the takeaway for me is that the writer who is a liberal is basically saying the benefit of wearing a mask is, I could say the word virtue signaling, and I think it is that. But the benefit of wearing a mask is awareness. Awareness. So that everybody's reminded that we're in a pandemic. God forbid we wake up one day and forget that we're in a pandemic. And a pandemic created by who? China. Well, they won't get to the bottom of that. Who's going to foot the tab for this nonsense? Who's going to be found guilty? Who's going to pay a civil uh, crime, a civil penalty? Who's going to get sued? Nobody knows who did it. How in the world can you actually have a crime in plain sight? And it seems like always when the government's involved, there's always a crime in plain sight where you don't know who did it. It happened to JFK, for crying out loud. Remember that. John F. Kennedy. How about Jean-Luc Brunel, the former model scout who's been accused of trafficking underage girls to Jeffrey Epstein? Over the weekend, he was found dead in his prison, like Jeffrey Epstein, in France, in a cell. Guess what? In France, they have the same problem they have in America when it comes to Jeffrey Epstein. The cameras weren't working. What are the odds, folks, that a guy like that, that basically recruiting and scouting little young models, and through what? Probably for 
Wexel. What what is his name? Waxman, uh, the guy that heads up Victoria's Secret, who is a good friend. Wexman, the guy that was a good friend of Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein, finance. You know, is basically managing the finances of Wexman, uh, the uh, guy who heads up a Limited and Victoria's Secret, and all these young models that used to wear lingerie in the Victoria's Secret ads. This guy was one of the chief recruiters for all of this. Photographed all over the place with all kinds of different underage girls. And would scout them and basically recruit them for Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein. Well, now he's found dead in a prison because probably he was going to make a deal. The same attorneys for Ghislaine Maxwell are probably working with his attorneys to try to come up with a sweet deal to get them out of jail. That's their one one hope. And he's now dead. And he's not only dead, but they don't have any evidence. There's no cameras. The cameras just weren't working that day. Too bad. Can you believe it? There's a meme up here, and it says, not fine when the... Border Patrol units were on horseback, horseback, and they were trying to get an illegal migrant who's holding his free food, and they tried to say he was whipping them. And, of course, the media was wrong. The media lied. But then, meanwhile, you got the Ottawa police literally with their mounted uh, horses stepping on people's faces trampling them to near death. In some cases, uh, I think it was Sarah Carter reported that someone died. Then she had to retract that statement because the person didn't die. But close to. So they trampled these protesters in Ottawa who were protesting peacefully. And you know, at some point, it's this kind of hypocrisy, it's this kind of uh, rules for thee, not for me kind of uh, mentality. It's this kind of, um, you know, situation where, you know, in Virginia, there was a parent that basically, they tried to say she was doxing the council member on the student board, but basically got the images off of Facebook and said, here you are, we're not wearing a mask, but you want my children to wear masks. And the councilwoman called the police on the woman. But it's this kind of level of hypocrisy that even in San Francisco, city uh, school board council members are getting canned, getting recalled. Uh, and even liberal mayors like the mayor of San Francisco is starting to get wise to this and basically is seeing that, you know what, even with the election rigging, the thresholds aren't enough. People are really fed up so it's okay for the Ottawa police to trample over peaceful protesters, but it's not okay to actually try to gather up illegal migrants. And the southern border is lost. You know, that open border uh, is all riddled with corruption. But there's a trend going around the world, like I talked about on Friday. The... Uh, Viktor Orban, the prime minister of Hungary, 
uh, said in Budapest that liberals must not be given an inch because if they are, they'll take a mile. And that was a very important statement. And uh, I think that what's happening is what, what I've been saying here. If they are given the Patriot Act, they'll exploit it to wiretap their political enemies, their political adversaries. They will ex- use it to exploit Americans. They'll use it to wiretap. Just look at J- what James Clapper and John Brennan and James Comey did. All of that. What did they do? They they wiretapped regular Americans. They're using this technology against us. Big tech, supposed to be open conversation for communications. They're calling on all of big tech to censor their political adversaries so that we don't have a voice, so that conservative values are not heard, so that they are the only game in town, that they are the only ones with the megaphone. They have already showed their true colors. McCarthy was right when he talked about communism as a cancer to society. It's innate in communists to want more power. And if you look through history, it's always been two communist states or socialist states that have gone to war with each other. It's it's hardly ever a situation where two democracies go to war. They they generally have diplomacy, which brings me again to eventually again to the uh Ukraine situation. You know, and uh, I want to play a couple of clips with regard to uh the best commentary I've heard and it's I played it last week one of them. I'll play two of them today. But it was um Tulsi Gabbard, who's sounding more and more like a Veep candidate that I've ever heard. It's a foregone conclusion that Trump is the heir apparent to win the Republican nomination. I don't even think it's going to be challenged. I think the only challengers to Trump in the upcoming 2024 election for with regard to the primary in the uh, Republican primary I think are going to be people like Mike Pence. I think Pompeo might run against Trump. I think that because he's lost all that weight and he's on a speaking tour, you know, and I'm disappointed in that. But I think that he would be somebody that would run against Trump. And I think that there's a lot of Washingtonian establishment elites that won't stand a chance, but they'll try and they'll run against Trump. I think that the smart politicians, the ones that have really good strength and really good core base, um, whether it's a Tim Scott or uh, a Ted Cruz uh, or a Rand Paul, I don't think these people are going to... I think these people are smart enough to know that if they run against Trump and they, they, they would have to abandon Trump's coattails... <clears throat> and by abandoning Trump's coattails, they're nothing. Now, Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham have, you know, four more years left on their t- ticket. They got their six years, and they're not worried about it right now. But there's a lot of there's a lot at stake in this midterm election for people like Lisa Murkowski 
and there's a lot at stake coming into 2024. But to me, it would be political suicide to run against Donald Trump. And he's earned it. He's earned every single leadership role that they want to give him because he sacrificed more than any politician I've ever seen in my life. You know, most politicians go into office and they get rich. Trump lost a lot of money when it came to that. Speaking of Trump, though, Truth Social is coming out today, I believe. Uh, That's the rumor that I heard. So it's coming out any moment now. The 21st was its estimated date. The twenty February 21st was the date uh, for Truth Social to launch. So today is a big day. Devin Nunes was on Maria Bartiromo over the weekend talking about these things. And uh, <clears throat> they're shooting for today. So all indications are today. And uh, it's basically, it's, it's definitely something that you want to be a part of. Um, and it's the way we're going to fight back. You know, you got Orban in Hungary denouncing globalism, denouncing liberalism, and saying, don't even give it any room. You know, when they shot the first shot, burned the first building, threw the first brick, we should have actually cracked down and took a crowbar to their heads. But we didn't. You know, we should have fought back hard in the beginning before the monster was really created. And because we didn't, we ended up with January 6th. We ended up with rigged elections. We ended up uh, with a lot of losses that we didn't have to sustain because we were not aggressive enough in the very beginning. You got to punch these people right square in the nose. At some point, you got to fight back. The truckers did. And look what happened to the truckers. But, you know, the benefit of it, their martyrship has exposed the globalists to the point where they can't explain away what they did. They can't explain away the hypocrisy. And they're going to lose elections as a result of it. Justin Trudeau's reputation is scorned forever. Any goodwill he ever had in the eyes of Canadians, and I'm talking about the people that supported him, I would say 20-30% of his base has to look at this and say, you know, where are the civil civil liberties here? Where are they? So, and there's wins going on across the board. Like, mail-in ballots in PA are rendered null and void. That's a good one. Hillary Clinton is getting exposed along with Jake Sullivan. Has Hillary Clinton been arrested for a conspiracy to frame her opponent for treason? Right? So Glenn Greenwald writes, The ACLU of Virginia is suing the state in in an attempt to deny parents the choice uh, to decide whether their children will or won't wear masks in schools. They want the state to mandate this decision for all parents. So the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, is advocating on the side of states to control your children. Of course, this has been a long debate, too. And again, they're going to lose this. The parents are the ones that get to raise their children, not the state. The children are not children of the community. They're children of the parents. And as weird as that sounds, that's the argument. 
is there politicians that are saying children are part of the community even though they're uh, minors? And so therefore, they are the domicile of the community rather than the domicile of the parent. That is the argument. And of course, that's never going to fly up at the Supreme Court level. It would if they were able to pack the courts, but they couldn't. And it probably would if they were able to pack the Senate, but they can't. And they didn't. So Ned Ryan writes this. What if we were actually to invest hundreds of millions of dollars every year into grassroots activism rather than wasting it on white papers, think tanks, and hot air events? And Thomas wrote, Thomas Sowell wrote, Envy was once considered to be one of this, the seven deadly sins before it became one of the most admired virtues under its new name, social justice. All right, we're going to go ahead and um, we're going to take a caller. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Scott, it's Idaho John. Just wanted to call in real quick on your show today. Okay. Thank you. Um, well, two things. First, uh, um, I was watching a war room on Saturday, and they had a, a J.D. Vance on the the loser J.D. Vance, who I wish wouldn't wasn't running, but he uh, he he made a comment about something that you were talking about. He he said, "Yeah, I said a lot of bad things in my early early um, political career about Trump, but now I'm 100 percent behind him." <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, I, I the point is, I... is that where were you, where were you when I needed you? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I thought I thought I'd let you know that one. And, and um, the other one on on the truckers from Canada, with all the with all the COVID there in Virginia, with you where you live, if they do this COVID convoy to Washington D.C. Is it even going to be able? Are they even going to be able to go out in the streets or anything else if they park their trucks around there? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think it's something like that's going to happen. I, I think that the uh, they'd be smart in letting the weather uh, calm down and letting the things calm down in Ottawa. Uh, I think it's probably something that you're going to see in March, uh, which would be great. You know, I I think we need more of this. Uh, we need to uh, make our voices heard and let people know that uh, we will never cower down. You know, the the thing that's happening in, in Canada uh, would never happen here in the United States. We are armed to the teeth. And if the uh, if they started to get that rowdy, I mean, we could definitely fight back. There's 300 million people with guns in America. I mean, we definitely yes, could win that war. And, you know, they talk tough right now. These you, you would be I don't know if you've seen the, all these audios and videos, but these Ottawa police are the biggest morons I've ever seen. They are so um, arrogant, so arrogant. I've never seen law enforcement so ill-advised and just arrogant to the point where, you know, they're just shoving regular citizens and bullying people. I've never Me, seen it quite I, as bad as I've seen it in Ottawa. Did you see the picture of the, the U.N. planes that they had? They were showing on Getter and Twitter that the U.N. planes parked there, near there where they think some of the, the cops were U.N. cops. 
undercover. That's right. Yeah, I did see some some things like that. You know, it's 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 absolutely ridiculous. And uh, again, it's exactly the true stripes and colors of Justin Trudeau, who admires China dictatorships. So there you go. But uh, th- I wanted you to know that about JD Vance, though, because. Uh, if I if I if I had the opportunity, I wouldn't vote for him. But I don't live in that state, right? North Carolina, right? No, I and I, you know I've been to several events with JD Vance. He is a Washington insider. I know his friends. I know the friends he keeps. I know the people he hangs out with. Uh, trust me, I know a lot about JD Vance, and I can tell you that if you didn't, if you knew what I knew, you would never give him a vote. This guy is basically just a snake, uh, and he's a fraud. Uh, he's not a hillbilly elegy, you know that whole hillbilly small time guy that made it big, or anything like that. He was a silver spoon guy from start to finish. Uh, he is just spinning this stuff. I just I don't like people who are not authentic. You know that's the thing. I I just. I prefer authenticity. I think that's what makes Trump so great is when he goes out to, you know, Oklahoma or Wyoming to to do a rally or something, he wears his red tie and his blue suit and he says, this is me from New York, you know, and people get it. You know what I mean? But I'm going to take this other call. Thank you for calling in today. Have a good one. All right. Take care. All right. Caller, you're on the air. Hi, my name's Lance. Hi, Lance. Where are you calling from? What's going I'm calling from Austin, Texas. Okay. Hi. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to see if I could get say something about uh, the uh, <clears throat> what uh, I was going to tie it to the foster care system. When he was talking about the Mr. Adams right now was talking about how the uh, the, the a lot of organizations want to treat our children as property of the community. Uh, I believe if we take a look at this, we might find that this has something to do with abuse of the foster care system. Oh, well, that's actually an excellent point that you make. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I I mean, I don't have any uh, experience with it myself, but I figure, you know, if we're going to uh, you know, spend trillions of dollars doing some stimulus packages on the name of evidence-based science, I think we could have spent quite a bit less fixing the foster care system years ago. Yeah, that's true. How about the Catholic Charities? And, you know, in Austin, you know, what they're about. Um, oh, I can only imagine, right. And, and the, the pieces, I think, come from family members who are basically getting paid by the state to harbor their nieces and nephews, which is essentially the act of a family. Yeah. How about, you know, I, I think it's this foster care business is big business. Human trafficking is just mm-hmm. such a horrible business. But, you know, Catholic Charities is trafficking, human trafficking. And whether it's slave labor or sex trade labor or whatever it is, it is it is moving people around, needy people around for money. And the Catholic Charities should be shamed of themselves for doing it. I think that the foster care business is probably just as ugly if, if we peeled that onion. I just haven't peeled it. We don't like to say people do bad things to kids if they think they're being taken care of, but who, who's to say they're being taken care of? You know, we're all being treated like this from the state, and if they're going to go ahead and uh, allow... Uh, children to be aborted well then what is the quality of human life for any of us at that point absolutely you make such great points thank you for calling today thank you sir thank you all very right. very much all right take care wow brilliant yeah uh, first time caller i i think uh from austin texas there lance and uh 
Hey, I wonder if he was Lance Armstrong. Uh, Lance is from Austin, right? Huh. Another Lance from Austin. Um, no, nah, he's not. A, it doesn't sound like Lance Armstrong. One of my favorite thinkers is Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell. Um, he writes this. This is so brilliant, folks. You got to listen to this, okay? And then I'm going to play, uh, uh, do another one for PJ O'Rourke uh, that I posted on Facebook. It was Thomas Edison who brought us electricity, not the Sierra Club. It was the Wright brothers who got us off the ground, not the Federal Aviation Administration, not the FAA. It was Henry Ford. Now, this is a brilliant one. It was Henry Ford who ended the isolation of millions of Americans by making the automobile affordable, not Ralph Nader. I never looked at the automobile that way. The automobile um, ended the isolation of millions of Americans. I thought that was a brilliant piece in that thing. But I'm going to read this again and I'm going to get to the next part. So it was Thomas Edison who brought us electricity, not the Sierra Club. It was the Wright brothers who got us off the ground, not the Federal Aviation Administration. It was Henry Ford who ended the isolation of millions of Americans by making the automobile affordable, not Ralph Nader. Those who have helped the poor the most have not been those who have gone around loudly expressing compassion for the poor, but those who found ways to make industry more productive and distribution more efficient so that the poor of today can afford things that the affluent of yesterday could only dream about. Wow. I wish I wrote that so badly, I can't even tell you. I wish I did, but I didn't. That was brilliant, wasn't it? It was absolutely amazing. And um, I want to I read something else to you. And uh, I'm going to try to get to it if I can. Oh, by the way, uh, nothing for nothing, but Wall Street is gobbling up all kinds of housing and making it almost impossible for first-time homeowners to do anything but rent. Uh, other about being knee-deep in mortgages and things like that, keep your eye on that. And uh, also, Navy Federal Credit Union uh, announced it will be move forward with its COVID-19 vaccine mandates and masking policies starting this week. So basically, it's social credit scores systems. Um, there you go, folks, right? Um, and then there's P.J. O'Rourke, and he says this. At the core of liberalism is the spoiled child, miserable, as all spoiled children are unsatisfied, demanding, ill-disciplined, despotic, and useless. Liberalism is a philosophy of sniveling brats. And P.J. O'Rourke, we just lost uh, such a great thinker. He uh, passed away not too long ago. And uh, he wrote that. At the core, uh, and there's a picture of, there is a picture of Justin Trudeau. At the core of liberalism is the spoiled child, miserable, as all spoiled children are, unsatisfied, demanding, ill-disciplined, despotic, and useless. Liberalism is a philosophy of sniveling brats. I agree. 
100%. So we have um, a lot of different things we wanted to cover today that we're not going to have time to today, but tomorrow we're going to bring it in. And uh, one of which is the clips from Tulsi Gabbard that I played last week, but there's some new ones. We're going to play those related to Ukraine. Again, one the last thing about Ukraine Biden could uh, Biden and Putin could end this conflict right away simply by guaranteeing that Ukraine never be part of NATO. And if that were the case, then Russia wouldn't have anything to complain about and they'd be assured. Um, there's a, more to it than that. But in a nutshell, this conflict could end so easily because if Russia were to put missiles in Cuba and point them at D.C., we would be uncomfortable with that, just like they're uncomfortable with having our missiles or dual-use uh, javelin, you know, defensive mechanisms um, that could be turned into offensive mechanisms easily uh, in Romania and other countries. So just like they're threatened uh, by NATO's presence in Ukraine, and we got there because of the corruption of Ukraine, and are politicians making guarantees in exchange for money? Burisma comes to mind, $86,000 a month to Hunter, uh, and all this pay-to-play stuff got Ukraine more leverage than they ever would have gotten on their own, and it threatened existentially uh, Russia to where they're making moves naturally. In any case, we're going to get into all of that tomorrow. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Scott Adams Show today. And be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. Use Red State over at mypillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Goodbye, everybody. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper. And grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.